When I got the uh, <clears throat> recorded message from Bobby about Connie's passing, I decided to sing this song. Uh, I've been acquainted with Con uh, Connie for about as long as I can remember. Um, she worked for us uh, when I was just a kid. And uh, so I thought I'd sing this song for her. I want to live in the city. I want to walk the streets of gold. I want to see my mother in her youth. I know she'll never grow old. I want to live in the city and hear the angels sing. Join them in their praises and walk around with the king. We have a hope, we have a promise, we have a Savior who says, I will come again. I want to live in this city that has never known night. No candle calls from the darkness. Jesus himself is the light. I want to live in that city that has no reason to fear. Neither sorrow nor dying. God wipes away every tear. We have a hope. We have a promise. We have a Savior who says, I will come again. And the water of life flows freely to where the wounded and the broken will be and the leaves of the tree are for healing so there's no need for a surgeon you see we have a hope we have again we have a hope, we have a promise, oh yeah, we have a Savior who says, I will come again, I will come again, do 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 do
Good morning, church. This morning, for scripture reading, it's taken from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 26. We were supposed to have communion today, but since pastor's sick, we are not able to, but I will still read the verse. So I am reading, you are listening. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. On the night which he was, when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this, this cup is a new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. May God bless the reading of his word. I'd like to introduce the speaker to you this morning. It is a video. Our pastor that is going to be, our guest pastor, is Pastor Zach Babb, who comes to us all the way from Alaska. Now, this was recorded a year ago. Um, And this is just kind of a little introduction to what we're going to be learning about and hearing about. Happy Fourth of July. Join Pastor Zach as he talks about God's special Independence Day, the Sabbath. And join us all in thanking Jesus for liberating us from sin. And we do pray that we get a blessing from Pastor Zach this morning. Happy Sabbath, everybody. I'm glad that you're tuning in from wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, Hello specifically to North Pole SDA Church and Arctic Adventists in Utkiagvik. Glad that that you guys could be with us this morning, even if I cannot be uh, with you in person. Uh, Due to some potential COVID-19 exposure, uh, Pastor Celesta and I are... um, staying away for a little while so that we don't uh, potentially spread that to you guys. Um, But nevertheless, we wanted to say happy Sabbath, and we are thinking of you. Uh, We also want to say happy Fourth of July, happy Independence Day. Um, And uh, in a way, Independence Day is kind of the topic of the sermon today. but before we talk about that, I'd like us to have a opening prayer, and then we can get into it together. So let's pray together, and uh, we'll dig into it. Jesus, thank you for this time and this technology that allows us to still um, communicate with one another, um, even if at a distance, Lord. Please continue to bless us, Lord, and continue to help us in our daily walk. Lord, we ask that you would fill us now with your Holy Spirit and help us to hear what you want us to hear, Lord. Help us to hear your voice. We pray in your name. Thank you. Amen. All right, today is July 4th. It's our National Independence Day. 
a day on which we commemorate the signing of the Declaration of Independence, not the day on which we actually gained our independence. That is a different day. Um, but today is an important day in our history. It's a day that we mark with fireworks and family celebrations. Um, it can be a lot of fun. But did you know that as a Christian, July 4th is not the only Independence Day that you can count on among your holidays each year? Did you know that God also speaks of an Independence Day in the Bible? He does. It's true. God has a kind of universal Independence Day, a day that can't be altered or changed or taken away, though some have tried. A day on which God intends for all people, regardless of race, color, or national origin, to experience freedom universally, irrespective of the restraints, practices, or customs of their society or culture. This day is called the Sabbath. And that is the topic of our sermon today. Now, Pastor Celesta is also going to be having a sermon on the, uh, on the Sabbath, um, and that's going to be coming up, um, in which she will be addressing various elements of the Sabbath, like how we know that from the Bible, the seventh day, Saturday, is the Sabbath, among other things. But today, I want to address a different facet of the Sabbath conversation, Today, I want to kind of take a step back from that and address the topic of what the Sabbath even means in the first place, and in light of that, how we should keep it. What does it mean to keep the Sabbath? And how should the reality of the Sabbath, of God's Independence Day, affect our lives and our society? Now, as a Seventh-day Adventist, how to keep the Sabbath has always been on my mind from as early as I can remember, um, early as I can remember thinking about the Sabbath anyway. It's how, how do we keep it? My parents taught my brother and I to keep the Sabbath. I had discussions with my friends about why I didn't play baseball on Saturday or what happened on Friday night. Um, Sabbath and how to keep it has always been a part of my life. But as an Adventist, I've noticed that the Sabbath is also a topic that we, as Adventists, wonder about from time to time. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that I would be surprised if every Adventist listening had not thought, at least once in their life, is this okay to do on the Sabbath when thinking about a particular activity? Is this okay? Should I do this or should I just wait? It's a common question among uh, Adventists. I've thought this question many times. What does the Bible really say? Is this okay to do on the Sabbath? That is what we're going to talk about today. What does the Bible really say about how to observe the Sabbath? Let's dig into it together. One of the reasons that I like Alaska is that summertime is not too hot. <laughs> especially not this summer, and the humidity is really low here. Um, unfortunately, summertime in the Midwest, where I grew up, was not at all that way. Uh, in the Midwest, it gets hotter for longer than it does here, and there's some pretty good humidity as well. Um, it is not pleasant 
to be outside during some of those summer days as the humidity makes the heat seem even hotter. I remember once playing a game of baseball when the heat index, how hot the air feels to your body, was 110 degrees. Um, at that temperature, in a baseball uniform, blinking your eyes practically makes you sweat, let alone running around under the sun. It was so hot, in fact, um, that my school started school later in the fall than other schools because we did not have air conditioning in the building and it was too hot to send kids to school inside. And so that's, that's what a Midwestern summer looks like. So now that I've demonstrated that, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever heard that Seventh-day Adventists don't go swimming on Sabbath? Some of us, I'm sure, have heard this. When I was younger, interacting with various Adventists in my conference, I learned that Adventists don't swim on Sabbath. It would be breaking the Sabbath to swim on Sabbath, or at least that was the idea. Unfortunately, as I've mentioned, it gets really hot in the Midwest. So this idea presented a challenge when it came to how to keep the kids cool during camp meeting or summer camp, for example. Now, taking a step back, it would seem perfectly logical to let the kids into the water when it's 95 degrees and humid outside. But if you think you're going to be sinning by breaking the Sabbath, that will make you think twice about what you do, and rightly so. If you're convicted you're going to be sinning, then don't do it, no matter what it is. But to the question of swimming, directly to that question, I ask, where did we get the idea that swimming on Sabbath would break the Sabbath? Conversely, where did we get the idea that not swimming on Sabbath was a proper way to keep the Sabbath? Where did we get that idea? Firstly, the Bible does not say anything about it. So if it doesn't come from the Bible, then a thought might be that, well, maybe Ellen White says something about swimming on Sabbath and that swimming on Sabbath breaks the Sabbath. But to that assertion, I ask, does she? In my research, I have up to this point only been able to locate one statement that she makes, only in one letter, and it's only one sentence. And the context in which she says that people shouldn't swim on Sabbath implies that firstly, if it were a necessity, it would be fine. And secondly, the statement that she makes about swimming on Sabbath is in the context of people making the most of every opportunity they have to care for people around them and caring for those who are suffering on Sabbath, like Christ did. This statement is found in letter 252, date 1906. Now, this is far from an exhaustive treatment of the topic, but from the context of Mrs. White's letter, it would seem that under some circumstances, swimming would be considered okay. Yet somehow, from one sentence in one letter, if that is indeed where we got this idea, entire generations of Adventists in some parts of the world have grown up with the idea that you can't swim on Sabbath ever. Was that what Ellen White was really trying to say with that statement? I don't think that was her main point. But I digress. Maybe it's a topic for another time. But the point is 
that kids grow up learning these things and many times may not even know why they're being told those things. Sometimes the adults saying them might not even know themselves. And an unfortunate side effect of this kind of Sabbath observance is that that is what people end up thinking that Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about a list of things that you can't do today. And if that is what Sabbath is to you, it becomes more like a burden than a blessing. Oftentimes we don't do a good job of making the Sabbath a blessing and communicating its true value. So for many people, the Sabbath marks a time in which we worry about a list of things that we shouldn't do instead of enjoying the blessing that the Sabbath is supposed to be and helping other people enjoy those blessings as well. The Sabbath in the Bible was never intended to be about keeping a list of things that we don't do. And I want to be clear. I am in no way advocating any activity that would violate the Sabbath. I am not saying that we should just throw off our restraint and indiscriminately do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it. Let it never be said that I said that. The Sabbath is holy time, and we need to have a healthy conception of and respect for the holiness of that time and what that means for us and for our society. But I also want to be clear about what the Bible, as our standard, has to say about how we should observe the Sabbath and some implications of those things. I want us to have reasons for the things that we say we believe, and I want them to be good ones. I want us to understand how to apply the Bible's teaching on this topic to our lives. So let's turn to the Bible now and examine some of the things that it says about the Sabbath. First off, I want to go to the book of Isaiah. So go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, and we'll start reading in verse 13. I'm going to look that up here while you do. Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14 is what we're going to read. And this is what it says. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now Isaiah mentions here that on the Sabbath there are several things that we should keep in mind when it comes to observing it properly. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, 
If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, God is here saying that Sabbath is not a day in which to do whatever you want to do or to talk about whatever thing comes to your mind. It's a day to honor God. And this is a key principle that I want to highlight here. There are actually, now, really, this is important. There are actually relatively few things that the Bible mentions that you should not do on Sabbath. Relatively few. We're going to talk about some of those things today. But the Bible also gives us principles that help us to see what is good to do on the Sabbath. They help us to see what isn't good to do on the Sabbath. There are relatively few direct, thou shalt not do this on the Sabbath kind of statements. And instead, we are presented with principles. This is one of them. Isaiah starts off by writing a few specific things that should not take place on the Sabbath. Don't do your own pleasure. Don't go your own ways. Don't talk about your own things. Talk about God's things. Talk about holy things. He basically says that they should begin to take the Sabbath seriously, but he also tells the people about something that they should do, along with those things that they shouldn't do. He says they should honor the Sabbath. And I want to highlight this because I think it has a lot of practical value. What does it mean to honor the Sabbath? He really doesn't uh, doesn't give you an exhaustive list of things to do that honor the Sabbath, does he? So if you're not sure about what you should and shouldn't do on the Sabbath, you should ask yourself, does this honor the Sabbath? Does this honor the purpose for which God created the Sabbath? Which we'll talk more about in a minute. Um, you can ask yourself, is this activity compatible with that purpose? Or am I just trying to do my own thing? And if you can honestly say that that activity honors the purpose for for which God created the Sabbath, um, honors the God that created the Sabbath for you, if you would be drawn closer to God through doing that activity, then do it. Whatever it is, do it. Notice how, unlike human beings who have tried very hard in history to specify exact do's and don'ts when it comes to Sabbath observance, God is not giving you an exhaustive list of specific do's and don'ts, but is giving a general picture filled with principles that you are supposed to apply to the specifics. Does this honor the Sabbath? Am I trying to honor God or honor myself? Am I walking my own way or am I walking in his way? Are you following me here? Now, there are specific things to do and not do on the Sabbath. Don't get me wrong. This passage has touched on a few of them, and we'll hit more in a minute. But the Bible lists relatively few of things that you're not supposed to do on the Sabbath compared to the vast amount of activities possible in your life. Are you following me? But if something you want to do doesn't violate one of those specific things that God asks us not to do on the Sabbath, fall back on the principles that he gives us to interpret the activities and the implications of those principles and fall back on the Lord. He will guide you. Now let's go to our next passage and continue this exploration. 
Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 15, and we'll continue exploring the issue there. So Nehemiah chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 15 through 22. Nehemiah 13, 15 through 22. This is what it says. In those days, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys, and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food. Tyrians also, who lived in the city, brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah, in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, Why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Now, Nehemiah is a bit of an interesting character, as you may have gathered from from that little excerpt. And if you read the rest of his book, you will see it gets more interesting with him. Um, Now, this passage shows us several key elements about Sabbath observance. Firstly and briefly, Sabbath begins and ends at sundown. Nehemiah had the gates shut as the sun was going down so that people would not be able to buy or sell or carry burdens on the Sabbath. That's the second thing that we can clearly see from this passage. The Sabbath is not a day on which commerce is to be carried out, on which secular work is to be done. But it was these very things that the people were doing. The people did not seem to care about God's requirements for the Sabbath. Now, Nehemiah is understandably upset by this. And in verse 18, we see that he makes reference to the actions of their ancestors, who had done exactly the same thing, and that was part of what caused the downfall of the nation in the first place. The prophet Jeremiah talks about these occurrences in Jeremiah chapter 17, if you want to look that up. Nehemiah is here saying, stop, what are you doing? This is what got us exiled in the first place. Don't do this. But the people had not learned. So he was trying to help them see. Now from this passage, we glean several more ideas about the Sabbath. But at this point, it's useful to ask, where did Nehemiah get the idea that it's not right to work on Sabbath, for example? Now to answer that question, I want to go to two other passages and flesh out the implications of those passages. And I think that will help us to understand this idea a bit more like Nehemiah did. Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 
and we'll start reading in verse 8. So Exodus chapter 20, 8 through 11, that's what we're going to read. Now some of you know this as the Sabbath commandment, the fourth commandment, and so it is. This is what it says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This passage is the Ten Commandments. The Sabbath commandment is one of those ten. It's number four. In this commandment, God gives us several more things to think about. And I want us to think about them for a second. Firstly, God asks us to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. He tells us when the Sabbath is, the seventh day of the week or Saturday. And he tells us that on Saturday, we aren't supposed to do any work, but do the work on the other six days. This is where Nehemiah got his idea. But God goes farther than just, don't you do any work. He gets way more specific about the issue. He says, one, you will not do any work. Two, your son will not do any work. Three, your daughter will not do any work. Four, your servants, both male and female, there's no preferential treatment, will not do any work. Five, even your animals will not do any work. Six, people that you don't know who are within your territory, will not do any work on the Sabbath day. So don't work. And don't make anyone or anything else work for you on the Sabbath either. It is a day for resting, not for working. God's justification for this is the following. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He says, I made you, and I made everything else, and I made a holy time at the end of the week in which you and everything else can recreate. Just rest like me, with me. In Exodus, God's justification for saying these things is that he's the creator and made all things and made a holy day. And that makes a lot of sense. He's the creator. He knows what your body needs. He knows what your mind needs. And... He wants to spend time with you. But that's the Ten Commandments in Exodus. But the Ten Commandments were given one more time in the book of Deuteronomy. And God's reasons for giving this commandment change a little bit in the book of Deuteronomy. So let's go there now. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 12 through 15. So Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. So here's what it says. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you nor your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. 
that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now, God's justification for why we should observe the Sabbath changes here, doesn't it? Whereas before he said, I am your creator. Here he says, I am your liberator. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What God does here in the Ten Commandments is something we have read a thousand times. But in my opinion, it's really profound. And I want us to go over it. He says to the master of the house, The people who work under you have rights that you cannot violate. I am your creator, I am your liberator, and I am calling on you to respect the rights that I have given these people. Your servants are liberated from working for you on the Sabbath. Your children are liberated from working for you on the Sabbath. Even your animals have rights that you cannot violate. They are liberated from working for you on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day of liberation. The Sabbath is God's independence day. He says, remember how you were a slave in Egypt and how I saved you from that life. Because I saved you from that life, worship on the Sabbath. And he specifically says that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. It kind of sounds to me a little bit like he's saying, hey, remember when you were a slave in Egypt? Yeah, remember how nice that wasn't? Don't do that to other people on the Sabbath day. They're free from you. They're free. You can't make them work. I have given them freedom. God calls them to remember how they were freed and uses that as an example of how everybody can be free on the Sabbath day. I made them, I saved them, in me they are free on the Sabbath, they're free. The Sabbath is Independence Day, once a week. And he says this to the master of the house, don't you do any work either. You are free, everyone is free. And everyone is equal on the Sabbath. The boss and the employee Because God's making the rules, and he says nobody works. Nobody can tell other people what to do. It's universal. It applies to everyone. In this respect, it is unlike our country's July 4th Declaration of Independence. Not only because our Declaration of Independence applies only to this country, but unlike our Independence Day, which is dependent on uh, the will and whims of humans, the Sabbath is dependent only on God. It is universal. Unfortunately, our Independence Day, for nearly 100 years, after declaring that all men were created equal, still did not apply to huge portions of the population within our own country. This led Frederick Douglass, former slave turned abolitionist, to give a speech in 1852, uh, which is now entitled, What to the Slave is Fourth of July? 
because it wasn't a day of independence. This country, founded on the principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, continued to oppress and mistreat Native people, a history that we're familiar with here in Alaska also. And recent events in our society should remind us that we need to be careful to walk according to what God says in Micah 6.8 and ensure that we are doing justice. Independence Day for those people just wasn't freedom. But the Sabbath is not like that. It can't be taken away because some people don't want to live up to the ideals they say they espouse. It does not bow to prejudice. It is universal. And we can rest assured that if someone infringes on it, they have God to answer to. The Sabbath is a liberation. Today, on the Sabbath, you are free. Free from our oppressive society. Free from the constant push to work, 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 consume, consume, consume. Free from having to constantly struggle in order to stay afloat. You are free to enjoy the beautiful world God created for you and the beautiful fellowship that you can have with him and with your family. You are free to rest in his arms and let him take care of you. And that's what the Sabbath is about. So if we're keeping the Sabbath as if it were only all about making sure we didn't do this list of certain things wrong, we're not keeping the Sabbath. We're missing the point. But when we break the Sabbath, this is what we're breaking. This beautiful liberation. When we choose, for example, to say, no, I need to go to work today. What we're saying to God is, I don't trust you to provide for me. I know you said you delivered me, but I cannot be delivered because I need to provide. And in so doing, you devalue yourself. You take away the rights that God gave you. When we choose to do our own things on Sabbath, when we choose to walk in our own ways, as Isaiah says, to do our own pleasure, what we're, what we're saying to God is, I don't respect you as my creator. And instead of worshiping like you ask me to, I'm going to worship myself. And when you make other people work for you on the Sabbath, you become the oppressor. Just like Pharaoh in Egypt. And you might say, oh, come on. I'm nice to these people. I give them good tips. I pay them well. Yes. But they're working on a day that God says that they are free. And you know that. Did you share it with them so that they could take advantage of their freedom? Are they working because of you? You're taking advantage of them. What does that say about you, Pharaoh? And this is a big part of what Sabbath is about. It's not everything. It's a big part. The Sabbath is Independence Day. And I know there may be questions about, oh, this thing or that thing, and exceptions. And there, there, there is more to be said on this topic. This is not an exhaustive treatise. This is an introduction. There are things to do. There are exceptions. There are this and that and the other thing. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the core of the Sabbath. It's Independence Day. 
You are free. The question is, will you accept your freedom? I pray that you do. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for giving us the Sabbath and help us, Lord, to appreciate it. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to live in freedom from the sin that so easily besets us. Lord, we can be free. And we thank you for dying so that we we can be free, so that we can live a life that is not only fulfilling, but that makes you happy. Lord, please help us to keep your Sabbath. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to walk closer with you. Please forgive us where we have not been careful enough on this matter. Help us to pay attention. We pray in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, everybody. May you have a happy Sabbath, and I will see you later. Bye-bye.